Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Florida Roundtable, a part of Florida's Talk and Entertainment Network. I'm Michael Yaffe. A Navy captain is fired after his concerns about coronavirus on his ship went public. Why did the Navy fire him, and did they make the right decision? I speak with intelligence and counterterrorism expert Brian Boyd on that big story coming up in a couple of minutes. Then, can your pets catch coronavirus? And how are your pets dealing with you being home more often? Well, veterinarian and author Carol Osborne joins me to discuss that and some fun ways you and your pet can stay healthy while staying at home. That's coming up later on in the show. But first, I will update some of the top stories from around the state of Florida this week. I hope you'll join me for another edition of the Florida Roundtable, which starts in just a moment. Welcome to the Florida Roundtable, which is a part of Florida's Talk and Entertainment Network. I'm Michael Yaffe. Coming up in the next segment, I'm speaking with intelligence and counterterrorism expert Brian Boyd. We're going to talk about the Navy captain who was fired because his concerns about coronavirus on his ship went public. We'll get his take on whether that was the right or wrong decision by the Navy. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, but first, I am going to update some of the top stories from around the state of Florida this week. The coronavirus's deadliest day could be here sooner than previously thought. Experts from the University of Washington previously predicted the state's deadliest day would be May 3rd, but they changed it and said it'll arrive weeks earlier on April 21st. The number of deaths that day could reach 569. Projections also show the state is expected to run out of ICU beds next Tuesday. It's all hands on deck when it comes to fixing the state's unemployment assistance process. That's what Governor Ron DeSantis said about a system that has left many frustrated. A surge in those seeking unemployment benefits was more than the system could handle. And DeSantis announced 2,000 state employees will be reassigned to help with the backlog. He also said about 750 people will be hired to process claims and over 70 new servers will be added to handle the online traffic. Miami Beach has a new order in place the mayor says could save lives. Mayor Dan Gelber recently announced that shoppers must wear masks inside stores and restaurants. He says the masks can be as simple as a bandana, handkerchief, or a scarf as long as it covers your nose and mouth. Violators could be charged with a misdemeanor. A new partnership is designed to help struggling businesses in Jacksonville. Mayor Lenny Curry announced a new loan program for businesses with no more than 100 employees. ViStar Credit Union is part of the effort, and you can find out more at ViStarCU.org. At least one Clay County official doesn't believe life will return to normal anytime soon. 
Emergency Management Director John Ward said he expects social distancing guidelines to be in place for another six to eight weeks. Clay has 81 COVID-19 cases, including six deaths, but Ward said it would be worse if we didn't practice physical distancing. The coronavirus could put some Escambia County funeral home workers in danger. Pensacola Memorial Gardens is preparing to lay to rest the, co- the county's first COVID-19 fatality, but the medical community is unsure if the virus is still a threat after a patient dies. Funeral director Gerald Mitchell says they're treating the, the body of the 75-year-old woman as if it's still infected. He also tells Channel News 3 employees have protective equipment they can use while handling the body. Efforts are underway to help hospitals as they deal with the growing number of coronavirus patients in Miami-Dade County. The Defense Department announced the Miami Beach Convention Center will be converted into a temporary hospital. Work is expected to finish April 27th. It's not clear if the new facility will treat coronavirus patients or how many beds it will have. A Marion County woman whose husband died of the coronavirus has a message for everyone. Ocala's Paige Stevens lost her husband, Mike, to COVID-19, and she says people should not take this virus lightly. She says her 58-year-old husband was diabetic and had two heart attacks, never used hand sanitizer or wiped the shopping carts when he went to the grocery store. Paige tells the Star Banner his death came just nine days after he first started showing symptoms. A Tampa woman is putting herself in what she calls a scary situation in an effort to save lives. Melissa Ordui used to be a nurse, and after seeing the crisis unfold, the 23-year-old decided to put her scrubs back on and help in the coronavirus epicenter. She arrived in New York City earlier this week, where she's joining other nurses in working long hours in dangerous conditions. She tells 10 News she's thinking positive and putting her trust in God. And those were some of the top stories from around the state of Florida this week. Two big topics we're going to discuss on this edition of the Florida Roundtable. One has to do with that Navy captain who was fired. The other has to do with can your pet catch coronavirus? All coming up in the Florida Roundtable after these messages. And welcome back to the Florida Roundtable, which is a part of Florida's Talk and Entertainment Network. I'm Michael Yaffe. Captain Crozier was recently fired after his concerns about coronavirus on his ship went public. Why was he fired and was it the right decision? Well, on that important topic, I'm speaking with intelligence, professional intelligence expert, former Green Beret, and he's also served with three different cabinet departments. Expert Brian Boyd joins me on the show right now. And Brian, thank you so much for coming on the Florida Roundtable today. Nice to meet you, Mike. And before we get started... Yeah, before we get started on the the topic, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, talk a little bit about your background and expertise and where people can find out more information on you. My background, I served with the Departments of Justice, Treasury, and Defense. In two of those three agencies, I was their chief of intelligence, one in a branch with one organization, and the other one I formed their first intelligence analysis division. My background has been in the federal law enforcement as well as the Defense Department 
as an intelligence professional, as a professional intelligence analyst. I also formed the International Association of Intelligence Analysts for Law Enforcement years ago. My knowledge of this particular situation, and I finally just read the speech that, command, that the U.S. Navy Acting Secretary Modley delivered, and in his talk, I it learned that he had already tried to visit that ship. He was already aware that there was COVID-19 cases on board that ship, the Teddy Roosevelt, and he tried to talk to the commander about if he needed any help, and he said the commander, the captain of the ship had waved him off. The next thing we know, the captain writes a letter or an email, and it gets distributed all over the place. It did not go up the chain of command. And I think captain, uh, Secretary Modley was upset because he didn't have a chance to react or to handle the situation, and he, was, he fired the captain for failure to follow the chain of command. And then his offhand remarks, which I think he was pretty emotional about, he said the captain had to be either naive or stupid. He had to have known the consequences because it created a firestorm in Washington, D.C., and it created unnecessary uh, concerns among the family of the sailors. So that, in a nutshell, is exactly what happened. Now, the question is, did he have the right to do that? And, yes, he did. He is the, he is the supervisor. In other words, he is responsible to the American people. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff made the same comment some time ago that he had the full authority to go ahead and relieve the captain. Now it comes down to the issue of how he handled it, and now I'm hearing that the President of the United States may step in. So it looks like there's a whole problem of chain of command here. The captain didn't go up the chain of command. He didn't contact fellow captains of other ships in his area. In the military, teamwork is extremely important. The chain of command is important because lives are at stake, not just like the chain of command of running an insurance company or a boss in an office. It, it affects people's lives. So he took a huge risk, and he did something that I felt was irresponsible. I wouldn't say it was stupid or naive because that's name-calling, but it's obviously irresponsible because he didn't use the chain of command. If he was that upset, he could have gone directly back to the assistant secretary of the Navy, and if that didn't satisfy him, he could have called up the secretary of defense, Mark Esper. Because according to the news reports, Mark Esper didn't see the letter. So there's a real serious problems of chain of command, not only in Modley's case, but in the... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Captain's case. So now you got a can of worms. Yeah, and why do you think... He decided not to go up the chain of command. I mean, some people are defending him, saying, you know, it was just such a bad situation and he wasn't getting any response that he decided to do something that would go public so he would get the attention that it needed. Do you buy that argument at all? I don't buy the argument for two very, very good reasons. In several of the agencies I work for, I was the boss of intelligence. 
and I saw one or two things happen that upset me. One was a moral dilemma. The other one was a procedure thing. The other one was absolutely wrong. But I didn't go to the media. I didn't write letters. I was so upset in one circumstance. I went right up to the elevator and walked into the director's office, and I said, I want you to fire my boss. He was appalled that I did that, but it was wrong what was going on, and if I didn't act on it immediately, it would have gotten buried underneath the rug. And I had a reputation in the government for having very high principles. I used to be a Boy Scout when I was growing up, and I'm a Scoutmaster now. But I believe very strongly in the integrity of the system. What bothered me the most is that this captain could have gotten upset enough to go directly to the Secretary of Defense. He could have called the White House. He has access to the same phone system. He could have called anybody because he didn't think through the consequences of his actions. I understand his concern for his sailors, but he didn't think through the consequences of his behavior. So at worst, it was immature, but it was definitely irresponsible because all he cared about was his own people. He, had, he was obviously unaware that his superiors and the bosses along that chain of command, including the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who was unaware of this thing as well, probably could have handled it and gotten him immediate support. So I think that's part of the issue. So did he do this out of frustration or anger? Uh, did he not trust his superiors? Or did he see himself as superior and took matters in his own hand? Any one of those things doesn't ring well with me. Yeah, and you had mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago that uh, one reason you don't want to do something like this is it could worry the families of the sail- sailors more than they need to be worried. How worried should people have been that this was spreading to some of those sailors on the ship? I used an analogy last night. I'll use it with you. Do you think the mayor of New York City, de Blasio, do you think the governor, Cuomo, those men were faced with larger, more public, and every day they had the media in their face with the same issues of people dying? And they were dying, and he had major needs. And he still used his chain of command. He went to the vice president. He went to the president. And when he was in the media, he knew anything he did to attack the only task force that had any money or any leadership to help him. He had access to all these leaders. He had Dr. Burks. He had access to Dr. Fauci. He had access to the Secretary of Defense. He had access to the National Guard. In those cases, he was faced with the same moral dilemma of people sick and die from COVID-19. So I don't understand why this Navy captain either didn't keep up to speed with the rest of the peers in his world. He had, what, 155 sailors sick on a ship of 5,000. That's 1.2% of his fleet, of his, of his staff. It's a lot less numbers than the mayor of New York City was faced with or the governor of the state. So... I still think the man did not behave in a, in a proper way. What he did was irresponsible, and I can't give any excuse for it because he didn't think through the consequence of his actions. And the other analogy is this. If you're mad at your wife and she's at a movie theater, do you go in with a shotgun and shoot in the crowd hoping to hit her? So he didn't think about collateral damage. He didn't think of the consequences of his complaining. The other thing is this. Pretend that you're a young ensign or a young enlisted man 
and you have part of your, your sailors down in the bay who are sick, and you go to this Navy captain and say, sir, can we do something about it? And the captain says, don't worry about it, son. I wrote emails to 20 people. What would, what would you think about that? Wouldn't it be better to say, I contacted Admiral so-and-so, I even called the secretary, acting secretary of the Navy, and I did contact the secretary of defense, and we're going to get you help. What is the better scenario? I'm speaking with uh, intelligence and counterterrorism expert Brian Boyd right now on the issue of Captain Crozier being fired because his concerns over coronavirus on his ship uh, ended up going public. And um, Brian, one one thing when you talk about the consequences of your actions, is one of the possible consequences that it shows weakness to maybe our enemies out there? Yes, it does show weakness. But I think our enemies of the 150 or 180 countries, whatever the number of countries are that are faced with this crisis, everybody knows that everybody is susceptible to this disease. I've been asked already whether or not the National Guard that are being put into harm's way. What about the doctors and the nurses and the first responders? Everybody's being exposed to it. So our enemies know that part of our military would be exposed. But I think that even when they asked the Secretary uh, Wilkie, the Secretary of, the, of Veterans Affairs, how many veterans have been affected, he said one man had died, 44 were something or other. I remember the general conversation. But the point is this. They do know, and we obviously know. But it isn't the problem of knowing. The question is, what they think of this captain who obviously operated outside the chain of command. Now, Modley was upset for two reasons, and I don't, I don't think he handled it very well, in my opinion. He was so upset because the, man didn't, the captain didn't come to him, but he was also upset because it went into the media. Well, when I was in the intelligence business, I had to deal with the Washington Post because I was in Washington, D.C. for part of it. And I had to just recognize that the media will always find out. The only way to keep a secret between two people in the government is not to tell the other person. You've probably heard that. But you have to assume point. the media The media has a role, and the media has a right to know. The problem is he was upset with that part of it as well as not being informed and having a chance to resolve it. So I think he was more upset about the chain of command and the media leak than he was about the behavior. And I'm not sure that Modley handled it well either. And I have just you know, about a minute left here, but I wanted to ask you, if you were in Captain Crozier's position, what would you have done? I would have done exactly what I told you I did. I've been in positions like that in other agencies where I had a position of authority of a lot of people or a lot of lives or missions or operations. And if I saw something wrong, I had no problem going directly to the director or the commander of that unit. If I was him, I would have gone to great lengths to go back to the acting, assist, acting secretary of, of the Navy, whether he liked them or not. And if I wasn't satisfied that he gave me the right answer, I would have picked up the phone and contacted the secretary of defense, Mark Esper. Had he done that, he wouldn't be in hot water, and it wouldn't have gone down this way. Apparently, that wasn't done because, from what I've read, the Secretary of Defense never saw the letter. 
and we're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. I'm speaking with professional intelligence expert and former Green Beret, Brian Boyd, and we're going to talk more about this and other coronavirus-related issues next on the Florida Roundtable. Welcome back. This is the Florida Roundtable, and I am Michael Yaffe. We're all still dealing with the coronavirus pandemic really here in the U.S., but across the world. And the question is, how should the military be responding to this pandemic? Well, right now on that issue, I'm speaking with intelligence counterterrorism expert and former Green Beret Brian Boyd. And yeah, Brian, on that question, you know, Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, it was just a week ago or a couple of weeks ago, he was calling on President Trump to send more military to New York City to deal with the problem there, to deal with some of the logistics. And there were some reservations about that. And I think the overall question is, how should the military be responding to this pandemic here in the U.S.? Well, first of all, the military, the active army, as well as the reserves, are a federal asset because they are the army and they belong to the United States government. The National Guard is an asset that belongs to the governors first and then to the federal government if they are activated for war. So each governor has control over his own National Guard units, okay? And that's how they can do it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Flood control. That's how they can handle everything from the old days of riots to whatever. But that's their role. And many of them are married. Many of those types of assets are married in the active Army as well as the Army Reserve. So what was being asked for was not military troops. We're not using martial law. I want to make sure that's clear. We're using DOD money, or he's using DOD money, in order to provide logistic support. So these soldiers and other uh, uh, military people are there as either nurses or doctors. Many of these people were pulled up, including out of the, re out of the uh, retirement era, who have special skills as doctors and nurses and first responders. So what he's done is he's provided manpower and used the federal money. The Defense Production Act is part of that decision in order to give him assets to help him, to help relieve the pressure. It's the same thing with the Comfort and the Mercy, the two uh, military ships that are being provided, because that's hospital support, and that's manned by military people as well. And do you think that was a, a proper move that was really needed at this time? Absolutely. What the president has done, he's done everything he can to mobilize every possible asset to help the manpower problem, to help the medical issues. He's coalesced everything from private industry to FEMA, to the uh, Food and Drug Administration, to the Centers for Disease Control. All these assets are being pulled together. And as we've seen on some of the briefings, a lot of these other major companies have all volunteered to help. 
So it's an amazing logistics uh, reaction to the, the American people. I, I don't know if you're old enough to know this, but this is something akin to what happened after World War II. Uh, I was born after that. I'm not as old as I'm sounding. Okay. <laughs> you, you don't sound that old. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a student of history, and I'm a, I, I do presentations on the history of our intelligence services going all the way back to the OSS and World War II. So I do help understand the assets. But, yeah, he's providing the assets necessary in order to get the job done. And that's all it really is. And the National Guard is there for times of emergencies. And the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, which is what some nine million people uh, have, this one of their many roles is not only to provide veterans benefits and hospitalization for veterans, but it's also to provide a force that can be used in emergency situations. A lot of people just didn't know that you could do that, but that's what a lot of veterans are good for. And they have the skills necessary to support hospitals, logistics. Uh, loading and unloading trucks and trailers and all the things necessary in order to get things from point A to point B. Yeah, and you had mentioned there the USS Mercy and the USS Comfort. Um, what exactly is going to be their role in this? We know one is docked off California, the other is docked off of New York. But what specifically is their presence going to do to help here? Well, you got the Mercy docked off of Los Angeles, and you have the Comfort in New York City Harbor. And that was an amazing thing there. And many times Trump was very proud of the fact that that uh, particular ship was in maintenance. It would have taken three weeks. But those soldiers, those sailors, and all those people in that contract worked day and night to get that thing seaworthy and loaded up and moved to the harbor in New York. Now, their purpose uh, is ostensibly not to take COVID-19 patients since it's a, it has a thousand bed hospital capability at both of those ships and so many operating rooms, their job was to take the load off the hospitals in those two cities in the way of normal patients to give more bed space and more uh, focal point for the COVID-19 cases in the cities. Now I saw somewhere where some accidental COVID-19 patients were shipped out of New York to the ship I don't know what their status is now, but the original purpose was to provide those ships to take the pressure off the hospitals for normal cases, to give more bed space, and to handle the COVID-19 people there on, in, the, in the city, in the land area. So how do you think um, this affects, this pandemic, how does it affect our military presence across the world? Because really, this is a pandemic that has spread across the entire world. So what is the military doing to help protect their soldiers, to help protect the mili- to help protect themselves in the midst of this pandemic? Well, we have soldiers stationed in Korea. Okay, we have soldiers stationed in a lot of places in the world, obviously in the Middle East. And they do have the protective gear because that's part of their normal issue. They do have protective gear against any kind of things like this, whether it's chemical warfare, biological warfare, or whatever. So they do have the materials necessary to protect themselves. The other side of the coin is this. I'm sort of taking a segue from your comment. I was asked the other day whether or not this weakens our national defense. Now, I have a daughter and two son-in-laws who are still in the system, in the military, and they're both very active, all three of them. But the point is this. They have not taken their eyes off of the hot spots in the world. 
the Army, in my case, is not myopic. We're not just focused on the COVID-19 issue. We have plenty of intelligence people and plenty of military people who are still focused on the problem of North Korea. They're concerned with the issues in Iran and Afghanistan. So it hasn't taken our eye off the ball. And when I was in the system, one of the biggest scenarios that we had to play was what if we had two simultaneous hijackings at two ends of the world? How do we deploy and do we have enough assets to get there? And that was always the question, logistics and assets. What if we had two simultaneous events? It's much like the scenario many years ago in Washington, D.C., when a Florida flight during an ice storm ran into the 14th Street Bridge and they mobilized all the fire people and it was in a heavy snowstorm. And then all the way across town, they had an accident in a subway killing people. They were not prepared for two simultaneous tragedies in a heavy snowstorm with ice and low visibility. So nowadays they have to, uh, what do you call it, rehearse and game out these types of situations. So our military is prepared. It's good to know that our military is prepared because this is a situation that could get a lot worse in other parts of the world. I'm speaking with counterterrorism uh, expert Brian Boyd right now. Earlier in the show, we were talking about the issue of uh, Navy Captain Crozier being relieved of duty um, because his concerns about coronavirus on his ship ended up going public. And one thing I did want to ask you about that is President Trump said he's going to look into it to see you know, what they can do for Crozier if he was fired when he shouldn't have been. What is your response to what President Trump said? I try to put myself in the shoes of the of Captain Crozier and what I would have done, as you asked. I try to put myself in the shoes of the acting secretary of the Navy. And would I have said in public to the crew that their captain, who was relieved, obviously a popular man on a ship, would I be responsible to say that this captain was naive or stupid? That is a huge, huge no-no. He should not have said that. He denigrated a, a commander, which is the worst thing he could do. He, he did the wrong thing there. He, he, did, he made the same sins that the captain did. You don't denigrate a commander. You say to the, the crew of that, of that uh, aircraft carrier, he was relieved for violating the chain of command, and he put a lot of people at risk, and I've taken responsibility as the assistant acting secretary of Navy to do it. And as soon as he got into name calling, and then he had to apologize, and the apology did not have the same ring of, of the, as the announcement over the PA system on the ship. It was sort of lost somewhere in, the, in some sort of a news article that he apologized for it, but it's too late. They say, and so that wouldn't have been done. So now the other problem is since the Navy acting secretary, Modley, it appears that he didn't tell the secretary of defense, who's his boss. Had it been properly done, Modley should have taken the letter and immediately forwarded it to the secretary of defense and said to Mark Esper, what do you think I should do? Do you want me to take, do you want me to fire the guy? And unfortunately, we are just out of time, but it's a really interesting issue. Uh, Brian Boyd, former uh, Green Beret counterterrorism specialist, um, I really appreciate you coming on the Florida Roundtable today. 
All right. Sorry I was so verbose, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. This is the Florida Roundtable. And welcome back to the Florida Roundtable. I'm Michael Yaffe. A lot of people are still at home because of the stay-at-home orders because of the coronavirus pandemic. And I know a lot of people listening that are staying at home, they have pets, whether it be dogs or cats or any other kind of pet. And some people are probably wondering, can your pet, can your pet catch coronavirus? Well, on that important topic, I'm speaking with veterinarian and author, Dr. Carol Osborne. And Dr. Carol, thank you so much for coming on the Florida Roundtable today. Well, Michael, thank you for having me. And before we get started on the topic, I did want to give you an opportunity to give a little bit of your background and where people can find out more information on you. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Carol Osborne, I'm, I'm an integrative veterinarian uh, from Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Uh, integrative just means that we offer uh, traditional veterinary medicine as well as holistic uh, and natural therapies. And we simply combine uh, both therapies and try to optimize health and wellness for each individual animal. You can reach us online, uh, chagrinfallspetclinic.com. Our second site is simply drcarol.com, D-R-C-A-R-O-L.com. And we definitely welcome questions uh, from pet-loving viewers all across the country. You can reach us toll-free at 1-866-DR-CARL, which is 866-372-2765. So the main question on everyone's mind right now has to do with, of course, coronavirus. And so, can your pet actually catch that virus? That, that is a great point, Michael. Um, and until just a couple days ago, the American Veterinary Medical Association uh, has conducted over 3,500 tests on dogs and cats in this country, and there, the number of infections have been zero. Unfortunately, Nadia, the little four-year-old tiger up at the Bronx Zoo, did test positive for coronavirus the other day. And that is the first case of an animal uh, being infected with the coronavirus uh, that we are aware of. In fact, Nadia, as well as six other cats up at the zoo, apparently uh, were infected by an asymptomatic zookeeper. The good news there is they expect all the cats to have a full recovery. Now, everybody's wondering, gosh, if Nadia and all these cats, you know, were able to contract it, what about the house cat? So according, again, to the experts, the American Veterinary Medical Association, uh, first and foremost, there is little to no evidence uh, that a house cat can become infected uh, with the coronavirus. Number two, there is absolutely no evidence that a house cat would be able to pass COVID-19 to other people or to other domestic cats. Now, if you're living in a home where an individual is positive, what, what do you do? Well, first of all, you want to be vigilant. You want to wash your hands after you feed, touch, you know, or handle the kitty. You want to disinfect surfaces uh, that the cats may, may have walked on, uh, countertops, tables, and things like that. You might 
consider designating one person in the home uh, to be responsible uh, for feeding and handling, uh, you know, the, the cat. As far as uh, pet fur, or in this case, cat fur, uh, cat fur is very porous, and the virus is not able to sur survive very long at all uh, on fur, as opposed to a solid surface like a doorknob or a table, if you will. So there is not a reason to, you know, to get rid of your cat or, or anything or anything like that. I, I think the message here is just to be smart and, and to be vigilant, uh, as, as I'm sure just about everybody is at this point in time. So is there any information on maybe some of the more rare pets like ferrets or, you know, a pet that a lot of people might not have? Is there any info that they can catch it? At this point, Michael, what they are actually uh, actively working on, um, as opposed to ferrets and rabbits and things that we might think of, uh, are the apes at the zoo. Um, so there's a lot of worry, you know, as far as whether transmission uh, to the other exotics might be possible. And unfortunately, at this point in time, we, we have no information at all, you know, whether a ferret or another little exotic type of a house pet, uh, you know, could, could possibly be at risk. I, as a veterinarian, feel that being smart about the situation, um, stocking up on cleaning supplies, uh, good, good hygiene, don't forget to, you know, wash your pet's food and water bowls, wipe off toys regularly, um, do things, you know, designate an emergency caregiver uh, just in case for some reason you become unable to care for your pet. Boosting your immunity as well as your pet's is great. You know, wholesome diets and antioxidant-rich foods are a very valid concern, uh, not concern, but a very valid way to try to stay healthy, uh, for, you know, for all of us. And and I think one of the one of the hardest things that people are facing um, is staying busy and keeping happy with their pets, uh, in particular their dogs, uh, while they're trying to live under quarantine. I thought it might be a great time to share some tips uh, for people that are facing, you know, the challenges yeah. of, of being at home in isolation. Sounds good. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think you have to remember that uh, just like you and I, uh, people, you know, our lives have been turned upside down. Uh, dogs stuck in quarantine with their owners experience stress, uh, anxiety, and, you know, some even become depressed. So what are we going to do? Well, first of all, make a routine and stick to it. Remember that pit, pets like kids uh, are generally the happiest with consistency. And the first thing you want to be consistent with is their feeding schedule. The second thing you want to do is create specific play times. Um, definitely increasing your pet's exercise uh, is a, a very valid consideration. Remember that Mental and physical exercise uh, is so important um, to have an emotionally secure pet. So there's all kinds of things you can do. Think of games. You can buy all different kinds of attention-grabbing pet toys. Uh, some certainly offer mental stimulation. Um, you know, you can stuff them with treats, uh, even frozen treats. Others squeak and twitch and move around independently. Um, people that are tech-savvy, 
There's all kind of great pet videos uh, that you can stream that will definitely uh, occupy your best attention for various periods of time. Yeah, it sounds, of, sounds good. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. A lot of times we, we're thinking of our own stress in a time like this, but we don't think about the stress that we put on our pets. And sometimes our pets can kind of feed off of your stress, their owner's stress. They, they, def, they definitely do. Mm-hmm. And another thing uh, that's a little bit tricky for some people is to practice teaching their canine to go potty indoors. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's a good point. You know, and, and if you're in a situation where you need to do that, my best advice is to prepare yourself and your dog as you normally would before going outside. So get the leash on and the collar. Don't forget to get your treats in the pocket. When you're all set, you simply want to walk your pup over to the area that you have now designated for going potty, um, certainly to protect the floors, you know, whether you choose potty pads, newspaper, fake grass, uh, even sod patches will do. Don't, don't make a fuss. Gotcha. You know, walk your dog over there. If he or she doesn't know what to do, relax, wait 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and just repeat the procedure, and you will see that they'll catch right onto it. And, you know, Michael, in a case like that, again, personal hygiene, super important, uh, dealing with your pet's urine and fecal matter. So that's where having yeah. those cleaning supplies on hand is, is absolutely a must for everyone. Dr. Carol Osborne, integrative veterinarian and author. Uh, a lot of good information that people need to know in times like this. And I thank you so much for coming on the Florida Roundtable today. Well, thank you so much for having me. And a closing thought in just a moment on this edition of the Florida Roundtable. Yes, and I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Florida Roundtable. Great interviews I was able to have today. If you ever miss any of it, though, you can catch the Florida Roundtable podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for the Florida Roundtable. And I'll be back next week for another edition of the Florida Roundtable. And I'm Michael Yap. You've been listening to the Florida Roundtable, a news and public affairs presentation of the Florida News Network. The views and opinions expressed during this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of this station's management, ownership, or sponsors. Please email your comments to Michael Yaffe at FNNOnline.net. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.